Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, whoops. <clears throat> Damn it. That... All right. Third time's the charm. Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles schedule release, Carry On Johnson, plus we'll talk about the Eagles' upcoming rookie minicamp. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Mike, man. How are you doing? Can't complain, man. Uh, we know where we're going, where we're headed, and when. Uh, so, yeah, pretty happy about that. <laughs> Same here. It's, 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 it's cool we actually finally know, because we knew the teams and, and seeing where everything is placed now. It, it just adds that extra step of, hey, you know what? It's getting closer and closer. So it, it's going to be ex- it's exciting. Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of fans are going through the schedule and seeing what the record could be, what the ebbs and flows of the season can be. And obviously, as writers, we like to speculate as well. And so I put out uh, on NJ.com my predictions for the season. I have them going nine and eight, uh, which I actually think would be a super positive uh, outcome, even if Jalen Hurts is kind of up and down because the Eagles will have those opportunities next year with cap space and the potential three first round picks to, you know, fix anything that was broken and then maybe kind of contend in 2022. What, what do you think their records going to be uh, when the schedule is all said and done? Ooh, you're definitely more optimistic than I was. I had them going six and 11 just because I thought it would take a little bit to get to the flow of how both the offensive and defensive schemes and getting used to these coaches. I mean, they'll have many camps and training camps, but that's a especially early on. That's a murderer's row of of games. Was where you have to go to San, you have San Fran here, and then you have to go to Dallas, and then Casey. It, I think early on it may be a little bit bumpy ride, but the back end where you face a lot more of those division foes and they'll be more acclimated to the systems. That's why I think they make their biggest strides. But I have them going six and eleven. Yeah, I had them starting two and four, then hitting their stride in the middle where they go through that kind of like top 10 picks in the draft kind of math group. Um, You know, to go, I will quickly go through the schedule. You can check out the whole schedule with times and dates and everything on nj.com slash eagles. But so let's talk about the preseason first. Uh, Really good, you know, to give you some, you know, insider information, really good travel schedule for beat writers. Uh, they're at home the first two weeks, and then uh, they play the Jets, you know, just up 95 uh, at MetLife. So, you know, we're not going to be moving around and having to really kind of travel work for it. Um, you know, sometimes, like, the preseason can be a little weird because it'll send you to New England or it'll send you to Cleveland or it'll send you to Jacksonville. Like, here, it's pretty cut and dry. We're just going to have to drive for one game. 
So week one, they they play the Steelers at Lincoln Financial Field, then they play the Patriots at, at the link. And as I mentioned before, then week three, they played the Jets at MetLife. I'm not anticipating very many, you know, key contributors playing. Um, right now, the Eagles uh, reportedly have agreed to terms with seven undrafted free agents. Uh, they drafted nine guys in the draft. They had 70 coming into the draft and then also brought, uh, brought in Carrion Johnson, who we'll talk about a little bit later. But right now, um, you know, they have three spots open, but the roster seems like a lot of like the upheaval will come within the depth spot. So I don't know how much starters are even going to see the preseason, especially now that for the first time in history, the NFL will stage a, a 17 game regular season. So let's get into that. Week one, they're at Atlanta. I think that's a very winnable game. Um, it's going to be interesting. Two first-time head coaches. We're going to. We don't really know much about the matchup of what they're going to do. Week two, they're going to play the 49ers. again at home at one o'clock. I think it's kind of a, a winnable game. Uh, I don't think you're, I'm not a Jimmy Garoppolo guy. I have never been. Um, if they bring out Trey Lance early and all this stuff is just talk about you know kind of easing him in. Uh, I think the Eagles win that game. Uh, week three is a big one. They're at Dallas. Uh, getting that one out of the way early, I think, is probably going to bode well for the Eagles because I don't think that's a win. I don't think they win that game. I think they get embarrassed on Monday Night Football. Um, week four, they host the Chiefs. That's going to be a tough one, especially back to back after Dallas. Uh, week five, winnable game at uh, the Panthers. Then they host the Buck. The- the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. That's going to be a tough one on Thursday night football, but I, I kind of, I really like that draw of Tom Brady uh, versus the Eagles on Thursday night football. Um, and then, you know, after that, their guarantee of primetime games are done. That's what happens when you're a bad team and you go for 11 and one the year prior. Uh, it feels like covering the Jaguars again, but I'm not complaining. Uh, <laughs> week seven, the ultimate road trip for the first time ever. The Eagles will head to Las Vegas to face the Raiders. That game's at, four o'clock um you know then they head to detroit for probably the worst road trip of the season on halloween to face uh, the lions they'll face the chargers at home the next week in week nine then week 10 in my opinion the the trip that i'm looking forward to the most uh denver in denver uh at 425 on november 14th week 11 they host the saints for it feels like the hundredth time Will Jalen Hurts continue to own New Orleans? Uh, week 12, this is where it picks up with the division. Uh, they're going to go to the metal, uh, the Meadowlands to face the Giants. That's a 1 o'clock game. Then they go back to the Meadowlands again the next week in Week 13 to face the Jets. Week 14 bye. Wow. Late in the season. They're going to need that bye. Uh, week 15, uh, they head into the home stretch against Washington at home. Then they're... Uh, hosting the Giants again in week 16. They go on the road uh, to Landover to face Washington at FedEx Field in week 17. Then they close out the season hosting the Cowboys at Lincoln Financial Field. So they come off the week 14 bye, and that's a late bye, but their last three games are all – or their last four games, three of them are at home uh, against division opponents. So we're probably going to get into the area of, wow, the Eagles – control their own destiny sort of thing um, if they're any good. So interesting schedule. I think there's a lot of dynamics to it. Frankly, I think the schedulers got a a post-it note from my wife 
saying that, you know, we need Mike home to tuck in our kid. Uh, so we'll give you 11 <laughs> one o'clock games. Uh, you know, when you're covering a bad team or a small market team in Jacksonville and you're like, man, I would love to cover some primetime games. Then you get up here and there's like six or seven, or five or six primetime games a year and it's exhausting and it's on the road. Then you're like, wow, I really miss those one o'clock games. So <laughs> this will be interesting. <laughs> Remember, the NFL can flex any of these games, I believe, after week four. Um, so there's there stands a chance if the Eagles are contending that they end up, you know, either, you know, promote, you know, they could they could raise the stock of the Chargers game. I could see maybe they do it for the Saints game, either the Giants games, Washington what have you. Um, the one interesting thing on this schedule, and this only typically happens to teams that don't play well the year before, is the NFL puts in like this versatile, you know, week 15 or week 16 uh, game where, you know, the week before Christmas and the week of Christmas, they stage a Saturday or Sunday game and you don't know which one they're going to do. If the Eagles and Washington are playing well, there's a chance that on Saturday, December 18th, they play at the link in a Saturday game. If the Eagles are not playing well and Washington isn't playing well, they're probably going to play on Sunday at one o'clock on the 19th. So that's something interesting to look into. What do you, what stands out to you about the schedule? Who are the, who are the toughest opponents do you feel the Eagles are going to face this year? Well, I definitely, you have to start out with my opinion, the two Super Bowl teams from last year, they, the Buccaneers are bringing back 22, all 22 of their starters. And you have to face them, even though it's a short week, you face them. You still have to face the defending champions. I think the Kansas city chiefs are another team. And I think the Falcons are really going to be a tough team. I look at it from a defensive side. How do the Eagles match up? Not only if Julio Jones is not, if Julio Jones is not traded, he remains. You still have him, Calvin Ridley, and now you add Kyle Pitts. <laughs> like good luck to the Eagles defense trying to stop that. I, I think they're another one. I, I think the Giants game, the first one on November twenty eighth, even though it's later in the season and both teams have been. You know, already through the rigors and the stressors of everything, I think the Giants are still pretty peeved about what happened in the season finale and as well as what happened with Devonta Smith. So I, I'd probably say those four games will be probably the toughest. I think the Eagles may contend. I think the Eagles will contend pretty well within the division. It's just a lot of these uh, out-of-division games are going are to be really, really tough this year. Yeah, I mean – it'll be funny because I already have a tweet in mind. If, if the Eagles beat the giants in that first meeting, like, wow, the, the giants told the Eagles not to tank and well, they didn't, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. Clearly the, the Eagles are living in the Giants' social media team's head because literally all they've been posting about are the Eagles. Bizarre. You face two of the Super Bowl teams and you're billing the Eagles, Giants rivalry in week 12, like it's like the Super Bowl. So that's interesting. Um, I think people are sleeping on the Giants. I think they finish second in the division. I think they get a wild card spot. Whoops, my phone goes off. Um, from a number that I don't know. Don't you hate it when that happens? That's a relatable anecdote, right? Um, Watch this probably. A, it's for your warranty, man. Come on. You know, don't you know it expires? Yeah, apparently I've had a <laughs> warranty for a car I sold like six years ago that constantly pops up. Uh, it's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm serious. That's not even a bit. That happens oh, like maybe God. once every two months. But um, yeah, so what I'll say is this. I think the outer division matchups are kind of hit or miss. Like this is a weak schedule if you look at how everybody finished last year. And I'm not doing that because I think that's a foolish exercise. But when I look at the rosters right now, they can beat Detroit. They can beat the Chargers. They can beat Atlanta. They can beat um, – a lot of these teams, the only two games that I think they're going to the three games that I think are going to be really difficult for them is that week three game at Dallas, the, cause it's always difficult to beat the Cowboys at home. If you're the Eagles, uh, obviously the Buccaneers game and the chiefs game, those are the three ones that I'm like, I don't see how they convincingly win these games. Maybe they eke it out. It's any given Sunday or Thursday or Monday, I guess in those cases, uh, of Dallas and, and Tampa Bay, but uh, yeah, not confident in those, but I do think they can, you know, I think that this team, if they're, if the offensive line is healthy, they're going to win eight or nine games. There's no question about it to, in my mind. And well, maybe see, that's another thing that kind of scares me. I'm sorry. To be, so, no, go for it. What way. do you got? That's another thing that kind of scares me is you don't see that by week until week 14. And you have a team that's had, has notoriously had a lot of injury is uh, concerns going into the last couple seasons, and especially that offensive line. Now you're asking them to play. Hey, make it through four, make it through the first thirteen weeks, and then we'll give you a rest. And that's a lot to ask, given that you have Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, and if Dickerson does come back and plays considerable amount of time, you got another guy who you have to be concerned about being nicked up. So that's another thing. That's the, another thing I was a little worried about where you see the schedule. That's, that's a late, late bye week this year. So let me push back against that. Um, I actually would say the Eagles have the best offensive line depth they've had in years. It's not the best offensive line group they've had, but you feel good about Jack Driscoll if he has to step in at right tackle. You, you've you seen Nate Herbig be able to play right guard pretty okay. Uh, center, you have Landon Dickerson. They also like Luke Jariga. Uh, same with left guard. Uh, Dickerson's in there. Obviously, he needs to be healthy. Um, and then, look, at left tackle, whoever loses that battle between Jordan Melata and, and Andre Dillard is going to be the backup left tackle. So I, I think it, they're not, like, without hope if there are injuries on the offensive line. But granted, it's hard to upgrade over, you know, probably Melata, Samalu, Kelsey, uh, Brooks, and Johnson, if they're all healthy. Um, granted, that's why you got Landon Dickerson, so he could back up all three uh, interior spots. Dillard can back up left tackle, and just Gold can back up right tackle. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at. But um, let's talk. We're talking about the roster. We're talking about the depth chart a little bit here. Let's segue into Carry On Johnson, who I thought was a brilliant waiver claim, former second round pick out of Auburn. Um, a lot of people were on like extremes. Some people were saying, well, he's not guaranteed a roster spot, whatever. Uh, other people were acting like he could challenge Miles Sanders for the starting job. I think the logic is somewhere in the middle. Extremely good pass blocker. Uh, very good uh, receiver out of the backfield. He's an okay runner when healthy. He's dealt with some knee injuries. To me, he's a really good cog in the system. Like, Nick Sirianni historically likes to give his running backs different roles. Same with Shane Steichen and same with Jamal Singleton. 
So I think that group's going to be in lockstep with how they handle the running back group. Uh, what's your take on, on Johnson? I like the pickup a lot. I think it's a low-risk, low high-reward move that the Eagles made. Uh, when you look at his main ability that I really love is his ability to catch the ball out the backfield and his pass blocking. Those two things, especially with a younger quarterback, are a nice little safety blanket for him. If there's nothing down the field, you know you have a reliable pass catching back out the backfield. And I don't think he's going to supplant Miles Sanders. I, I think Carrion could be the solid, the solid number two running back in the system. If I'm anybody else, if I'm Boston Scott, Jordan Howard, now I'm looking like, okay, um, I'm really going to have to bust my tail in training camp now and impress these coaches because the main thing with Jordan Howard was his pass, ca- pass blocking ability. Well, you know, Johnson there. And then with Boston Scott, he's been inconsistent in my opinion. Unless it's against the Giants, he's shown some inconsistencies. You see the talent there, but you, you kind of, eh, you get disappointed at times. But I think Johnson, when healthy, it seems like you got to put an asterisk in front of everybody. When healthy, Johnson can be a very, very good back in this system. Yeah, I agree. I think when you look at the kind of like the – archetypes of of like the running back rotation in, in Indianapolis. You had the number one back who was the featured back, which was split between Marlon Mack and I guess last year uh uh kid from Stanford. Um Jonathan What the heck's his name? Why am I blanking on this kid's name? Anyway, Marlon Mack was typically the featured back. I think that fits Miles Sanders to a T. Uh, then you Taylor, look at sorry. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, there you go. But like that type of running back who can do all three things, you know, maybe isn't a master of anything, but he he's very good at three th- at all three or two, at least two of the facets of being a running back, receiving, running. You know, he's not the best blocker, but he can get better there. So I think having him as the premium featured running back is there. Then you have the short yardage, uh, blocking, um, nitty gritty back. And that would obviously be carry on Johnson. Um, then you have the Naheem Hines. I've talked about this a thousand times since the pick, but you know, Kenny Gainwell is that guy. Uh, and then the fourth backs kind of like, you know, uh, a, kind of mixture of everything. I think they will keep four running backs. I think it's going to be Boston Scott if Jason Huntley doesn't like somehow surprise, but uh, I think it's going to be a four man rotation right now. I think the locks, if healthy, obviously barring any injury or or Sanders uh, Gainwell and uh, Johnson with really Boston Scott competing with Jason Huntley and Adrian Killens and Elijah uh, Holyfield and obviously Jordan Howard. But if I'm Jordan Howard, I'm kind of like, uh, I probably shouldn't have resigned, even though I don't think he had any interest anywhere else. So uh, to me, Carrion Johnson is Jordan Howard in 2019. They're bringing him in. You know, he was, he's got a decent draft pedigree. He's got a decent history. Never been like able to kind of, you know, put his cleats in the ground and be the, guy that everybody depends on at running back. Um, but he's got a lot of upside and I think he compliments Miles Sanders really well. Um, yeah. So, uh, 
let's kind of get into rookie mini camp. Um, I've got some personal stuff that uh, I have to handle this weekend, so Chris will be going solo during rookie mini camp. Who are like the three rookies that you're most interested in seeing? I mean, obviously, you want to see Devonta Smith. I mean, we you want to you've seen the tape so many times. You see Alabama. It's going to be interesting to see how he's able to see that route running ability prowess up close and in person. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing Teron Jackson. I want to see what moves he's able to develop over a course of those, that, that short week and to see how he goes over time. And I think Grimes, the kid Grimes out of Florida, I, I want to see how he fits into this offense and see what he can bring. I, I, I like the way he, he he was a gamer to me, in my in my opinion. He was a gamer when it, the games I saw him out of Florida, and I was shocked he wasn't drafted at all. I thought he'd at least be somebody pick him up in the seventh round, but nobody did. So those are three guys I, I do. And if I had to throw a, an asterisk, I'd say Milton Williams, too, to see how he can – his versatility, how well he can truly play inside and outside on that defensive line. Um. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think a lot of people like fall for the the undrafted names. And I think Grimes is the guy that everybody wants to see. To me, I, I you know, a guy that I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to this offseason as far as the undrafted players is Jamie Newman, who uh, I think would be perfect if if Jalen Hurts really does excel and he's the starter for the foreseeable future. I think Jamie Newman would be the ideal backup. Um He's going to be really interesting. I think uh, when you look at, um, I call him Mr. T, Marlon, I, I can't pronounce his name. I, I, I try. It, it just doesn't work. It's like my brain can't handle it. Uh, well, this T-shirt's idea is ready to go. I pay the offensive lineman that has to go up against me. You, you got you just made the marketing easy for you. Well, man. I think we should look into getting that, but getting that done at NJ.com. We do have a store, by the way. Um <laughs> And look, I think Milton Williams, I think he's the guy that's the most intriguing physically of any player that they've drafted, you know, at least in the last couple of years. You know, he's he's not a defensive end. He's not a defensive tackle. He's just a defensive lineman and his athleticism's off the charts. So he's a guy that I'm really intrigued by. Um, but in your final thoughts, Chris, overall, heading into – the real start of the off season, how do you think the Eagles handled uh, the business, the, the overall business aspect of this roster? As in terms of just when it comes to adding players, restocking the shelves sort of thing. I think the main thing they're going to have to do is see how far guys are able to develop the development aspect of it, especially one of these young guys. Cause if some of these guys show that, they're able to start to get the hang of the NFL game early on if they're able to go ahead and understand scheme and and take coaching, constructive coaching easily. I think some of these guy, veteran guys that are on the bubble, you might start to see them let go because they want to go ahead and move with this youth movement. That's the key thing I really want to see, and I also want to see how they uh, they are able to compete. I mean, Sirianni, Sirianni's basically said that he – every spot's available on this team and competition is going to be key. And I want to see how these guys take to that. If they just, if it's just a buzzword saying, Oh, competition. And then meanwhile, you see guys sitting around chilling out or you see everybody really going hundred miles per hour, every play during, during the camps and tr during both mini camp and training camp. So that's, that's one of the biggest things I want to see. How about you? I mean, I, I think, 
I think looking back at what they've done, um, they haven't been able to fill every hole. They haven't been able to to like establish every sort of need as being, uh, you know, an area of focus. I still think they bring in a, a veteran corner or two. Um, but I, look, I, I think this team is young. It's young on purpose. And yeah, like you said, they're going to have to lean heavily on development. But this is a coaching staff that has a lot of guys who have proven development skills. Uh, Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, um, Jonathan Gannon, uh, Kevin Petullo, uh, Jamal Singleton, guys like that who have been a part of a lot of different brands, as it were, in the NFL. And I think they'll be able to take from what they've learned from other coaches and really establish themselves early on. Look, there are going to be some growing pains, absolutely. But I think like you said, the competition really has to follow through in training camp. And so I'm excited, at least from a on-the-field standpoint, to to dig deep into this training camp because it did seem kind of at times during the Doug Peterson era that like it was way too chill, like way too chill. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing some more intense practices. Um, remember, you can download the No Huddle Show podcast wherever podcasts are available. You can also sign up for Eagles Extra where we give you Tons of insight uh, that you don't see anywhere else. Um, get information and news before it hits Twitter. Uh, Chris will be doing our weekly Q&A uh, on Friday at some point. He'll send out an announcement through Eagles Extra uh, and on Twitter. Um, you can sign up for Eagles Extra on nj.com slash text. For Chris, I'm Mike. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>